before I jump into the message today, would all of you online and all of you that are in the house today, would you just bow your heads and join me in praying for our country, our world, the injustices that are happening, the pure evil that rises up in the midst of that. Father, when we don't know what to do, we bow our heads and often get on our knees and we just come to you, not as a last resort, as a first resort, because you are our source of strength and peace and joy. And we need you more than ever before. If anything, all that has happened in recent months and even in this last week, it's to remind us that this world as we know it one day will come to an end and we do not live our lives for that which is temporal, we live our lives for that which is eternal. So today, Holy Spirit, you are in this place. We feel you here. You are are in every home, every place that is watching today. You, Holy Spirit, are there. They sense your presence today. And I am praying that the Holy Spirit would just wash over all of us today with peace, take away fear and anxiety and all of those emotions and replace them with hope and with joy and with the reminder that you are with us. We need you. We need you. We need you every moment of every day. We need you. And the promise is that you are with us to the glory of God the Father forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, it is so good to see all of you here this morning, and it's good to see all of you online. You online are just as important as those that are here. We are all joining together to worship our creator and to hear his word for our lives. And just want to remind you, as we do most weeks, that the reason our church exists is we are trying to help all of us in to encourage and equip us to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We want nothing less for you and all of you here today. We want nothing less than for your life to be fully devoted to him. And we are in this series um, in Philippians uh, called More Than happiness and if we ever needed a message like this it is it is today with all the evil that seems to abound we need to be reminded that God's grace and God's presence abounds even more amen and so the theme of philippians is joy there there is something more than happiness paul tells us and it is this joy that goes deep down inside you know we sang that song the the joy is deep 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 inside of us it was written by Paul, and it talks about how to have more than just happiness. And what's amazing was is that Paul writes this to us while he is in prison, which means your happiness is not based on your happenings. Now, remember, Paul was beaten. He was shipwrecked. 
He'd been bitten by snakes. He was abandoned, stoned, and now he's in prison. But rather than Paul becoming bitter in his spirit, which is so easy for all of us in the midst of stuff that we're facing. It's easy when we're attacked or it's easy when things go against us. It's easy for us to get bitter, but rather than become bitter, he allows the Holy Spirit to use that to help him write the book of Philippians on how to have more than happiness, how to have joy in our lives. And again, as I've said This stuff is easy for us to understand up here, but it is more difficult for us to live out and to do. And Philippians is just this, uh, I I think I've mentioned it's my favorite book. and, And I thought it's probably because it is such a warm and personal book. It's like Paul is sitting down in your living room and he's just talking about his relationship with this guy named Jesus. And so we're gonna look at several verses today, but the key verse is in chapter one, verse 27, and it says this. This is the key to what Paul's trying to say in the context of the message today. Whatever happens, come on, have you had any whatever happens this week? Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news of Jesus Christ. Whatever happens in our lives, whatever's going on in our world, and none of it has taken God by surprise, right? And Paul says, so whatever happens, you conduct yourselves worthy of the good news of Christ. And he gives four habits that we can develop. And again, these are easier to understand than they are to do. So you, a habit, you really have to discipline. You have to put it in place. You just do it every day. And the first habit that he gives us as I walk through these this morning is I can sustain happiness in my life. Four things. One is if I look at every problem from God's viewpoint, and that's not easy. I get consumed in the moment and whatever the thing is that's going on in my life. But happy people have a larger perspective than just what is seen. I mean, imagine, imagine Christ on the road to Golgotha, getting beat, getting whipped. He's hanging on a cross. All the world looked on it. And what seemed from their perspective, it just seemed awful. But see, God had a larger perspective at play. There was something more that was going on than what could be seen. And unhappiness, and again, this is difficult because sometimes we don't see what God sees most of the time, but unhappiness comes because we fail to look for or see that God is doing something bigger than what seems like on the surface. Paul teaches us, come on, doesn't he teach us that in all things, come on, all things, everything you're going through, everything you face this week, Paul says God is at work in all things, working out a plan for his purposes and our good. So that means when I'm going through some stuff that doesn't seem so good, we serve a God that's gonna use it for good even though it doesn't seem like it at the time. I'd be careful, I might start preaching today, don't egg me on too much. But an amen would be good once in a while, right? You can type it in online, amen. So Paul teaches us God is working out a plan that God takes our mistakes. Oh, come on. God takes our mistakes. He even takes our sin, our, our shortcomings, the times we totally mess up, our pain, 
And he wraps all that together and he puts those in to his plan for us. So God's working all things together for our good. Now, I just wanna stop and here's what I, I wanna say to all of you, everybody watching this morning, I want you to hear this today. Everybody in the room, you embrace this, here it is. You either believe that and live by it or your life will be consumed with unhappiness. You either believe that all the things that are happening, I don't like it, I don't understand it. I don't wanna be here right now in this place, what I'm going through. You, you either have to believe that God's using that for his good, for your good and his glory, or your life will just be filled with unhappiness. That's why in verse 12, Paul would say this, I want you to know my dear brothers and sisters that everything, everything, that has happened to me here has helped. He's talking about in prison. Now imagine Paul started the church of Philippi. They're, they're now seeing their spiritual leader, their hero is in prison. He can't come to them anymore. They're devastated. And Paul says, I want you to see that everything that has happened to me here in prison has helped the spread of the good news. Now, I need to stop there and let me explain this to you. Ever since Paul became a Christian, he, he was so passionate for God. He was so passionate for Christ. In fact, if you read church history, you'll find that he came to the church, the early church in Jerusalem. He was, he was filled with the power of Christ in his life, the Holy Spirit. He wanted to preach and proclaim the word of God. And they were a little leery about this guy because just a few weeks before, he'd been killing all the Christians, right? So you can understand their apprehension. So what they do is they say, Paul, Go on back home, don't call us, we'll call you. And it wasn't until eight years later that a guy named Barnabas would seek him out and say, God has a plan, God wants to use you and would draw him into ministry. But all the while, Paul is so passionate now, his life, come on, his life has been radically changed. Anybody in here or watching online, your life's been radically changed? Come on, woo, thank God. Thank God that he still changes lives radically. And Paul's life is so changed, his desire, his burning desire is to preach the gospel of Christ. And so his dream is that one day he would stand in the Colosseum in Rome, the most powerful city in the entire world, and thousands would gather in there and they would hear the proclamation of the gospel of Christ. That was his dream. But now here is Paul in prison. He's awaiting execution. His dream comes crashing down. Come on, let me just stop a second here because let's just, you don't have to be honest to me outwardly. Just be honest with yourself. What do you do when God seems to steal your dream? When you've dreamt, for some, dreamt something for so long and you were so passionate about it and it seems like that has been stolen, it will never come to fruition. You've prayed about it. What do you do when it seems or appears that God has stolen your dream? Well, God had another plan for Paul that Paul could not see in his situation. 
He's like, Paul, you're, you're gonna become a, I've, I've got a different plan. Hold on, Paul, let me tell you about it. You're gonna become a prisoner of Caesar. Now, Caesar is like a title, like we would say president, okay? So uh, in, at, in that day, the Caesar was Nero. Now, Nero was the most vile, wicked ruler. Some say that ever lived. He, he was horrible. In fact, when he came into power, he had his own mom executed. And, and now he has Paul chained in prison, waiting to, waiting to be executed. And he is, Paul is chained to guards 24 seven. In fact, it is the Royal guard. It, it is like the, it's like the Navy SEAL team. You know what I'm saying? And so 24 seven, he's handcuffed to the Royal God awaiting death and his dreams are gone. What do you do? What do you do when it seems like God steals your dreams? Well, some of you, some of you are in a crisis right now, maybe. Um, it just seems like God has abandoned you. Maybe, maybe in recent months, uh, your business or your bank account has taken a plunge in a wrong direction. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you're going through some, maybe some dreams and plans you had. Maybe you had like the vacation of a lifetime planned out. I talked to a friend yesterday and he had this dream, one of his top 10 list dream vacations and all of it was just taken away. And you wonder why are my dreams being snatched away from me? But while Paul is in prison, um, wondering why God has stolen his dream chained to guards 24 seven, watch this. Paul gets to talk to all kinds of key people, influencers. He's chained 24 seven to guards and every four hours they would change guards. So if you add up the math over a two year period that Paul is there in prison, Paul witnessed to over 4,300 guards because <laughs> you couldn't shut Paul up. You know, it just came out of him. Come on, how many of you know when God has transformed your life, you just can't keep silent. It's got to come out. You got to share with people what God's done in your life. I used to be like this. I used to treat people like this. My life used to be going down this road, but Christ transformed my life. And now he's, my life is on a different trajectory. And Paul is just, he's just everywhere you put Paul. He was just witness. He's witnessed over 4,300 guards. And then you have to ask the question, <laughs> who's the real prisoner, right? Paul's dream to preach in the Colosseum, a good dream, so that thousands of people could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It seemed like a great dream, a worthy dream. But Paul is now around the most influential men of his day. And God says, I'm gonna use you, Paul, in ways that you can't even see. Or as Paul would say in Ephesians chapter three, I think it's verse 20, where he said, God will do immeasurably more than you could dream, right? Doesn't he say that? Or imagine God has a bigger dream than your dream. And so now Paul is understanding that God is doing something much greater. And while he's there, there were two things that happened. The first thing that happened was 
Um, in chapter four in a few weeks, you'll see that within two years, many of Nero's, this most vile, evil leader that has ever lived, many of his own family will become Christ's followers because of Paul's testimony while he's in prison. The second thing is Paul had, Paul was a type A personality. Any type A personalities here or watching online, you know, you're like you just gotta go, 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 go. You're just nonstop. Well, that was Paul, he's just high speed. And now Paul is forced to sit down. He's, he's forced to sit still in prison, chained to guards. And they tell us that while he is there, he writes over half of the New Testament that comes to us today and we are learning from today. Paul writes that while he is in prison. Now, which had a bigger impact? Paul's dream of preaching in a Colosseum to a few thousand people or writing half of the New Testament that has touched and changed and transformed billions of lives and comes right to where we are this day and speaks to our heart. See, God was doing immeasurably more than Paul could see or understand. He didn't understand it at the time, but God was doing so much greater than just the dream that Paul had. God was working even in the pain. Now, it is in this context that Paul writes these words. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Paul sees that God, um, uh, he sees his problems from God's perspective. And when he does, he sees that God is doing something greater than what Paul thought could happen. What, what is God trying to teach me? Paul's thinking, I don't see it all yet. I don't see the answer yet. But Paul's saying, I know that he's doing all things for my good and for his glory. And though I don't see it yet, I know it is best for me. And when you face a problem in faith, there's a couple things that happen. Come on, I'm talking to somebody today. You love the Lord, but you're going through something very difficult right now. And you don't understand it and you don't wanna be there. But if you will hang on in faith through what you're going through, watch what happened in Paul's life. A couple things happen. First of all, it becomes a witness to unbelievers. For everyone here, including all the soldiers in the palace guard knows that I am in chains because of Christ. I guess so, he'd witnessed over you know, 4,000 guards. And the second thing is, it becomes an encouragement to believers. And because of my imprisonment, he said, many of the Christians here have gained confidence and become more bold in telling others about Christ. Other Christians that were being persecuted heard Paul's stories and they became so incredibly moved by that, that it was an encouragement to them. It was a blessing to them. Have you ever thought that God might want to use whatever problem you're going through right now, though you don't like it and though you don't understand it, he might wanna use what you're going through to help somebody else. Um, when Vicki had cancer, we were so devastated, especially early on. But we chose 
to ask God to use whatever we were going through in such a way that would be an encouragement and blessing to others. And during that time, just maybe a week after we, a week or so after we heard the news, I received a call from Dr. John Williams, who was the general superintendent for the Evangelical Friends denomination. And he asked me if I would come and speak, a keynote speaker at their general assembly. And so I flew in and they picked me up and I went and we're in this large, large auditorium. Um, and I spoke, I just shared in there um, a little story about what Vicki and I were going through and just asked them to pray for us. And, and at the end, as, as I closed, the front became flooded with people coming down and praying at the altars and just weeping before the Lord. And, and then afterwards, people lined up for about 30 minutes. I don't know why, but people wanted to come by and shake my hand and affirm me, tell me they're praying for me. Um, one lady came and she was just weeping. And she said, she said, I was invited to come tonight. I, 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 I don't even know the Lord. Somebody just invited me to come tonight and you spoke to me because I just found out today that I have cancer. And she said, and it meant so much to me and I and some others were able to pray over her and that night she received Christ. And it was like, it was like God saying, I'm gonna use what you're going through and I'm gonna use it to bless others and I'm gonna use people to bless you. And, and then another lady came up and she said, hey, listen, I want you to know I've been through what your wife's going through. I'm on the other side of it. And I just want you to know God's gonna sustain you and help you and bless you. And she said, now I wanna pray for you. And so her and some others gathered around me and they prayed for me. Your problems will always give you an opportunity to be a witness and an encouragement to others. The second thing Paul teaches us is I can sustain happiness in my life if I refuse to let others control my attitude. If I refuse to let others control my attitude. I don't let other people decide whether or not I'm gonna be happy or not. <laughs> it will never work. Paul talks about four kinds of people in, uh, in chapter one here, verse 15 through 17, he talks about people that are critics, so those that were attacking his ministry. And uh, I'll just say from a leadership perspective, you will always have the critics. You, you have to look beyond the critics. I mean, you, you learn, I learned two things. One is if it's true, then take what they're saying and learn from it. If it's not, you gotta just let it go on by. Come on, amen. Second thing is, he's, Paul says there's comrades, friends that support him. He's talking to the church at Philippi. And he says, you are an encouragement to me. You are a comrade with me in the ministry of the gospel. Paul talks, I don't really have time to get in there. He talks about the competitors who preached Christ out of selfish ambition or rivalry. And then this is a passage I go to a lot because some people will say, well, you know, you got some people preaching Christ, but, but this, 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 or this, 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 or their theology, this, this, this. And I always go back to the verse that Paul says, hey, if they're preaching Christ, let them preach it. <laughs> All right. Um, and then there are, con there are conspirators who sought to destroy him. They weren't just criticizing him. They were trying to take him down. And so in verse 15, talking about the critics, 
He says, it is true that some preach Christ because they are jealous and quarrelsome. Um, and, and, and he's, you know, he's just, he's just saying that's going to happen. You're going to have critics no matter what you do. Few things rob your happiness, come on, faster than when you are criticized. Maybe just it's like sucks the, the joy out of you or the happiness out of you. And here's a happiness key. I don't need other people, other people's approval to be happy. I don't need the approval of man, as Paul would say, to be happy. You're as happy as you choose to be. And let me help, let me help some of you with this. This is huge for some of you. Negative people don't like to be negative alone. And they will do whatever they can to pull somebody else down with them into the valley of the shadow of negativism so they're not alone down there. Listen, don't let it be you. You don't let them pull you down. Don't live for the approval of people. Don't let other people control you or tear you down. We all have value and purpose. Paul said in verse 18, the important thing is that in every way, whether for right or wrong reasons, the message of Christ is being shared. So I am happy and I will continue to be happy. Does criticism hurt? Oh, come on. Does criticism hurt? Yes. Nobody goes, oh, honey, I got criticized today. I feel so good. But I'm not gonna let that rob my happiness and rob my purpose. Paul said in verse 28, be fearless. No matter who opposes you, it will be a sign to them of their downfall and that God is with you and that he will save you. And Paul gives us this third habit. Regardless what happens, I can be happy if I trust God to work things out. And this is the hard part because this is where faith comes in. When you're going through a problem, you can pray or you can panic. And I'll tell you, I've done both. But I will always, Paul says, I will always trust in God to work things out even though I don't see it. And he went on in verse 19 and said, I'll continue to rejoice for I know that as you pray for me and as the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, all that's happened will all turn out for my deliverance. Paul gives four sources. Uh, I don't have time to go through this, but in those verses, he gives four sources for strength during difficult days, difficult times. One is he says, I have God's perspective on my problems. God says, uh, for I know, it, it's, it's knowing. Paul says, I know that God is at work in me. I know it, I don't see it, but I know it. That was his faith, that was his assurance. Uh, Paul said, I have people praying for me. Churches all across the region praying for Paul. He said, that prayers keep me going. And I'll just say amen to that. There are many days, even in the last few weeks going through all this, that sometimes it seemed overwhelming. But I know when I came down, I was in this place, there were people that were praying for me and it sustained me. And the Holy Spirit, uh, Paul said, you know, he said, the other thing that helps me is I know the Holy Spirit's with me, right? 
He's always with me. So when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm going through something, I pause and I'm reminded, Holy Spirit, help me. I open my hands up often and just say, Holy Spirit, I just give you what I am. In my weakness, be strong. And that assures me. Paul said, I am expecting God's gonna deliver me. God's gonna work this thing out. Now, God's not gonna work it out for our plan. God's gonna work it out for his plan. God took Paul's life and though he never came out of jail and his life was taken, God, it was all in God's plan to further the gospel. And then he says, therefore, Paul says, I will continue. I will continue to rejoice in whatever I am going through. Let me give you one more that Paul gives us on how to sustain happiness. He says, I stay focused on my purpose, not my problems. Paul's an old man now. He's awaiting execution. They have taken everything from him. They've taken away his friends, his freedom, his resources, his ministry. But there's one thing they could not take away from Paul, even in prison, his purpose. Paul knew that his life was about more than what he was going through. And Paul says, I'm going to stay focused on my purpose, even though they have taken everything away from me. What was his purpose? Pointing people to God and serving others. That was his purpose. Pointing people to God till the day they took his life. His testimony was pointing people to God through Jesus Christ and and, and he would serve others. Paul would say, I pour out my life as a drink offering. In verse 22, he says, if by continuing to live, I can do more worthwhile work for Christ and I'm not sure which I should choose. I'm pulled in two directions. So he's talking about this conundrum of sometimes I wanna go to heaven, sometimes I wanna stay here. Come on, have you had those days? Like this week, I was praying, hey Lord, just come on anytime, come on. Let's all go. Wouldn't be great right now if the Lord just split this building in half and he just took us all home? Woo, would that be great? That'll take away from the riots. They'll just focus on this for a while. Paul said, sometimes I wanna go, sometimes I wanna stay. He said, I'm pulled in two different directions. I want very much to leave this life. He's saying, my life is not about this earth. My life is about being with Christ one day. And I just, my heart hungers for that. I long for that. He said, that's the better thing. But he said, for your sake, talking to the church, it's much more important um, that I remain alive. In other words, as long as I'm alive, then I can fulfill my purpose. I can win more people to Christ. Um, and um, he says, I'm, I'm sure of this. And so I know I must stay on with you all so that I can add to your progress and your joy in the faith. And here's the amazing thing. Paul doesn't just have a purpose for living. Paul has a purpose for dying. Paul says, if I'm alive, I'll fulfill God's purposes in me. If I die, I'm going to a place that I was destined to go to from the beginning of creation and there will be no more prisons and no more pain and no more guards. I look forward to heaven. And And don't you miss this part. The reason most people are miserable is because they think their happiness comes from self gratification. Come on. Um, they, 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 think, they, they think if I had more possessions and I had more 
uh, pleasure and I had more position. If I could get sex and salary and status, um, you know, that's gonna fulfill me. If I just live for myself, I'll be happier. Come on, listen, come on, come on real close. Let me tell you something. It's a lie. And you can join the the untold millions that have given their lives for that down through history and have come to the end and found out it is a lie. Some of you remember a guy named Robin Leach who used to do, I think it was called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And he was asked one day about a Powerball winner that was gonna win like, it was like a gazillion dollars. And he was being interviewed and here's what he said. I can tell you for sure Whoever the winner is, money will not make them happy. He said it will fade quickly. And if they weren't happy before the billion dollars, they won't be happy after. And I thought, wow, that is such truth. Paul says, the reason I'm happy is because I'm giving my life up for others. Happiness comes from serving. Jesus put it this way, happiness comes from laying down your life for others. And then he exampled that for us, right? So Paul sums up in verse 21, he pulls it all together and he says, this is what it is all about. And my uh, battery is dead, so I will just, you'll have to just trust me, this is the scripture. For me, Paul said this, for me to live is, say it, Christ, for me to live is Christ, a simple purpose, and to die is gain. Some of you may know the name Bill Bright. Bill Bright was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, Shortly before he died, I heard uh, the interview that John Maxwell did with Bill Bright. He was in a wheelchair, he was on oxygen, he could hardly talk. John said to him, Bill, with a billion dollar budget, the largest parachurch organization in the entire world, and God has used you as a tool to bring more people to Christ than any other individual. Over 150 million people came to know Christ through the influence of Bill Bright. And here's the question he asked him, to what do you contribute all of that? And maybe one of those moments that was life transforming for me was when he responded this way in a broken raspy voice. 50 years ago, I locked myself in a hotel room with God for a week. And at the end of the week, I wrote these words down on a piece of paper that have been on my desk ever since. Today, Bill Bright is dead. From this day forward, I am a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is only him living through me. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
He took serious the words of Jesus who said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. In other words, die and follow me for whoever wants to find his life will lose it first. I'm really not interested in simply going through the motions with whatever days I have left, are you? I'm not interested in just going through motions with the one and only life that God has given me. And years ago, I, I, I chose to trade my desires and my dreams and my plans and my wishes. I knelt at an altar of prayer and I laid all that down and I died to all that and I took upon me his will and his desires and his dreams for my life. And God is still looking today. He's looking at your life today. He's looking at all of our lives today for people who will lay aside personal comfort and pleasure and passion and dreams for his purpose in them. And so let me ask you, just as we kind of close this morning, if somebody were to ask you today, hey, fill in this blank, what word would you, what word would you use? For me to live is, what would you put there? For me to live is, is what? Entertainment, sports, Money, career, pleasure. Nothing deserves that place except the one who created you and gave you your life, Jesus Christ. Fully devoted followers of Christ say, for me to live is Christ. And I know there are a lot of people thinking, well, I love Jesus and I'm okay. You know, I don't wanna get all radical or anything. I'm, I'm okay. I love him. I like to do my own thing, but I love him. I like, I like to come here and get entertained. I love to watch online and kind of get moved a little bit. Isn't it enough, isn't it enough preacher that we just believe in Jesus? Well, I always like to go and see what Jesus had to say about that. And here's what Jesus said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, not everyone who just calls out to me, Jesus or Lord, not everyone who says that will enter the kingdom of heaven. Come on, watch. But only the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven, only the one who finds his purpose and does the purpose of the Father that means your life has to be aligned with the word, all of the word, not just like picking portions of it. Your life has to be measured by the word. And that's why we will do the best, whether you're coming into this place or whether you're watching online, we will do the best we can to help you align your life with all of the word of God. Because a cross, Jesus said, if you wanna be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross. And a cross just means death. And I'm asking many of you today watching, many of you in this room today, I am asking you this question. What is Christ asking you to die to today? Because the answer to that question determines your 
purpose, and it really ultimately determines your level of happiness or joy. My plea today is that you'd come to believe with all of your heart that to live is Christ. And when we leave this world behind, there is so much more to gain than anything this world could ever, ever offer us. Would you bow your heads with me at home and also in this place today? I believe there's a man or woman today that God has spoken to boldly. And he is asking you today to pick up a cross, to die to some things and become a fully devoted man or woman of God because the reality of your life is you are not. And I wonder this morning if you'd be willing to pray this prayer and die today to your sin and your desires, die to your will, die to your dreams and simply say today, Lord, I am your man, I am your woman. Come on, just right now, heads bowed, eyes closed. Some of you need to take a step toward him. Father, this morning, I want the passion of my heart to be to live is Christ, (laughs) to die is even better. I'm your man, I'm your woman. I give you my dreams, I give you my hopes, I give you my future, I give you my fears, live in me. Some of you need to pray today, show me your purpose, God. Sanctify me right now, through and through. I'm not the man of God I need to be. I'm not the woman that desires wholeheartedly the things of God. I have not died to myself, but today I want to. God, I want your purposes for my life. Your purposes are so much better than my dreams and plans. (laughs) Paul said they are immeasurably more than what I could dream or see or imagine now. And Father, I pray this morning for those that are struggling right now in all that's going on, meet their needs today. I pray you would be a resource for someone today. I pray you would heal someone in their sickness today. Be close to someone today that is lonely and discouraged and living in fear. I pray for someone that is not in healthy situations or relationships today, God. God, may all of us pray this prayer that our life would be an instrument of your peace and purposes until we see you face to face one day, one day very soon. And we pray it in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.